poet Nash? Oh, no, sir. The poet Herrick. Pretty better. Oh, yes, sir. I wonder what they'd done to him to stir him up like that. I'll probably find him five quid for failing to abate a smoky chimney. Well, as to that, I have no information, sir. Seated in the old sports model, some minutes later, and driving to keep my tryst with E. Jimson, Murgatroyd, I was feeling singularly light-hearted for a man with spots on his chest. It was a beautiful morning, and it wouldn't have taken much to make me sing. Tra-la-la as I bowled along. Then I came abaft of the protest march, and found myself becalmed. I leaned back and sat, observing the proceedings, with a kindly eye. Whatever these bimbos were protesting about was obviously something they were taking to heart, rather. By the time I had got into their midst, not a few of them had decided that animal cries were insufficient to meet the case, and were saying it with bottles and brickbats and the police who were present in considerable numbers seemed not to be liking it very much. It must be rotten being a policeman on these occasions. Anyone who's got a bottle can throw it at you, but if you throw it back, the yell of police brutality goes up, and there are editorials in the papers the next day. But the mildest cop can stand only so much, and it seemed to me, for I'm pretty shrewd on these matters, that in another shake of a duck's tail, Hell's Foundations would be starting to quiver. I hope nobody would scratch my paint. Leading the procession, I saw with surprise, was a girl I knew. In fact, I had once asked her to marry me. Her name was Vanessa Cook, and I'd met her at a cocktail party. And such was her radiant beauty, that it was only a couple of minutes, after I had brought her a martini, and one of those little sausages as well, on sticks, you know, that I was saying to myself, Bertram, this is a good thing, push it along. And in due season, I suggested a merger. But apparently I was not the type, and no business resulted. This naturally jarred the Wooster soul a good deal at the moment, but reviewing the dead past now, I could see that my guardian angel had been on the job all right, and had known what was good for me. I mean, radiant beauty is all very well, but it isn't everything, you know. What sort of a married life would I have had, with a little woman perpetually going on protest marches, and expecting me to be at her side, throwing bottles at the constabulary? It made me shudder to think what I might have let myself in for if I had been a shade more fascinating. Taught me a lesson, that did. Viz, never lose faith in your guardian angel, because these guardian angels are no fools. Vanessa Cook was accompanied by a beefy bloke without a hat, in whom I'd recognize another old acquaintance, O.J. Orlow Porter, uh, to wit, who had been on the same staircase with me at Oxford. Except for borrowing an occasional cup of sugar from one another, and helloing when we met on the stairs, we'd never been really close, he being a prominent figure at the Union, where I was told he made fiery, far-to-the-left speeches. Well, I was more the sort that is content just to exist beautifully. Nor did we get together in our hours of recreation, for his idea of a good time was to go off with a pair of binoculars and watch birds, a thing that's never appealed to me. I can't see any percentage in it. If I meet a bird, I wave a friendly hand at it, to let it know that I wish it well. But I don't want to crouch behind a bush, observing its habits. So as I say, although Porter was in no sense a buddy of mine, we always got on all right, and I still saw him every now and then. Everybody at Oxford had predicted a pretty hot political future for him. But it hadn't got started yet. 
He was now in the employment of the London and Home Counties Insurance Company and earned the Daily Bee by talking poor saps, I was one of them, into taking out policies for larger amounts than they would have preferred, making fiery far-to-the-left speeches naturally fits a man for selling insurance, enabling him to find the moat juiced and enlarging the vocabulary. I, for one, had been corn before his sickle, as the expression is. The bottle-throwing had now reached the height of its fever, and I was becoming more and more nervous about my paint, when all of a sudden there occurred an incident which took my mind off the subject. The door of the car opened, and what the papers called a well-nourished body, male, leaped in and took a seat beside me. It gave me a bit of a start, I don't mind admitting. The Worcesters not being accustomed to this sort of thing. So soon after breakfast, I was about to ask what I was intending.